0: Hey there, good morning, everyone. You're listening to Politics Explained. I am your host, Ian Shapiro. Today on uh, Politics Explained, we begin with Trump Tweets Explained. So we'll go through the tweets, which is kind of like the surface Trump, and then we'll uh, probably in a later segment, get into the meat of Donald Trump's rally in phoenix arizona that occurred last night but for now trump tweets explain this morning on twitter donald trump tweets phoenix crowd last night was amazing a packed house i love the great state of arizona not a fan of jeff flake weak on crime and border Here, Donald Trump is referring to the junior senator from Arizona, a Republican named Jeff Flake. Now, Jeff Flake has been getting some Jeff Flack (laughs) from the Trump administration lately after publishing a book calling out how Donald Trump is essentially uh, a catalyst uh, moving the Republican Party in a not so great direction. Donald Trump is helping to bankroll a Republican who may run against Jeff Flake in his next primary. Uh, It's unclear if this individual would be a stronger candidate than Jeff Flake, meaning that the seat could be lost to a Democrat if the national conditions are correct. Uh, So it's not the best idea politically uh, to attack an incumbent of your own party. Um, Just a heads up for Trump. I don't even need to be a political scientist to know that. Uh, But still, it makes the whole thing look a bit more personal than truly political. Donald Trump also tweets, Last night in Phoenix, I read the thing from my statements in Charlottesville that the fake news didn't cover fairly people got it here Donald Trump is referring to the fact that he actually brought a transcript script sorry of his Charlottesville statements so he's particularly talking about his Saturday and his Monday statements uh where he called uh (laughs) nazis white nationalists and white supremacists uh very fine people and said that there was blame on all sides however these were the two controversial moments of those two uh you know the presser and then also the kind of the candid remarks but neither of those were in the transcript that he actually read to the crowd uh so he only read the conciliatory and joining together and unifying and fighting against decisiveness parts of his comments about neo-nazis okay so donald trump also tweets if republican senate doesn't get rid of the filibuster rule and go to a simple majority which the dems would do they are just wasting time here donald trump is talking about his overwhelming want to get rid of the legislative filibuster rule. However, it's not in in the interest of Republicans, Democrats, or our democracy to get rid of this rule as it eliminates minority rights in the United States legislative process. The House of Representatives is already a majoritarian body, and the Senate, which is supposed to be the saucer that cools the tempers of the people, is supposed to move a bit more slowly, think a bit more methodically, and certainly, you know, have institutional checks for majority control, the filibuster being one of those. So these are what Donald Trump tweeted today. Uh, We'll get more into the Phoenix rally in just a bit. You're listening to Politics Explained. I'm Ian Shapiro. So yesterday evening, Donald Trump held what is called a campaign rally, right? Yeah. Uh, Republicans sure do hate that everlasting campaign, I guess not really, not when it's Trump. Uh, Anyway, he held a campaign rally in Phoenix, Arizona. The mayor of Phoenix, Arizona said, hey, Trump, please don't come. This is too soon after Charlottesville. The country is still trying to heal. We don't need a political rally right now. Unless, of course, what you're trying to do is, you know, help the country and like bridge that divide. But no, this was definitely pandering to Donald Trump's base. Uh, Donald Trump took his controversial Charlottesville remarks, and he essentially, uh, misquoted himself after saying that the media was uh, misattributing his statements, which was kind of a very surreal thing to do. Donald Trump also accused different media uh, networks, especially CNN by name, of turning off their red lights on their cameras uh, during the live event. Uh, if you were watching on CNN, you know that this was not the case, and Donald Trump was clearly just pandering uh, to the crowd, which has been primed to believe that CNN, like other mainstream media, media sources equates to nothing but fake news. Speaking of this, Donald Trump directly attacked the mainstream media, calling them enemies of the country, saying that a lot of them, while there are a few of them that are good journalists and honest people, the majority of them are dishonest and just don't like our country America, uh, which is just a flat out wrong and dangerous gosh darn statement. Attacking the press is what authoritarian regimes do in other countries, so it's not a very good look for Trump, but you know, hey, partisanship's a hell of a drug. Well, Maybe it isn't, because Trump actually took some time to attack senior senator for Arizona, John McCain. He didn't attack him by name, but he did over and over again refer to how close Republicans were on repealing and replacing Obamacare. Uh, Recall that a few months ago, they were trying to repeal and replace Obamacare. John McCain came back from being diagnosed with a brain tumor to cast the decisive vote in favor of moving forward with debate on repealing and replacement. But finally, at, you know, two, one, two o'clock in the morning, uh, cast a decisive vote in order to help end any kind of repeal and replacement of Obamacare and to begin working on other types of health care. So he was attacking John McCain. Uh, The audience are pretty in tune to politics. These are hardcore supporters of Trump. uh, So they're politically interested. They knew which senator uh, he was talking about. Plus, they were in Arizona, which is where John McCain represents. So there you go. So here's the editorial. Rallies like this, you know, hot off the heels of the Charlottesville, Virginia alt-right rallies, kind of give us a great picture, you know, beyond Trump's tweets, of what Donald Trump is really like. He is pretty much campaign Trump. On the campaign, some people said, well, he's going to act more presidential once he actually actually gets into office. Well, no, we've seen in succession, you know, um, off-the-cuff Trump on that Saturday remark for Charlottesville, then a very scripted presser Trump on the following Monday, Uh, then the Tuesday, kind of another very... Ranting at the media, calling them unfair and dishonest on that Tuesday. And then again, we get the uh, campaign rally Trump, which is speaking his mind and has very little filter involved. Uh, you know, a lot of individuals thought that the introduction of General John Kelly as the new White House Chief of Staff after the ousting of uh, Reince Priebus, we thought that this would give order to Trump. And while it may be giving some more order to the Trump White House, it's certainly isn't imposing any kind of structure on the words coming out of the man himself. Uh, So for more facts about what happened in politics and then quick editorial on it, you're listening to Politics Explained. I'm Ian Shapiro. Hey everyone, it's me Ian Shapiro, your host for Politics Explained. So I was reading an interesting analysis post on the Washington Post this morning, and it's titled, Trump Backer's Alarming Reliance on Hoax and Conspiracy Theory Websites in One Chart. Uh, So that's kind of true. Number one, there's actually two charts in the article uh, so that they can take Trump voters and look at you know the types of news stories and outlets that they share from and compare them to Clinton supporters. Now, there's a few wonky things going on in here. Um, how... Uh, you know, how partisan a particular source is, is coded and measured according to individual perceptions, right? So there's no hard and fast objective rule here about what constitutes a more objectively conservative or uh, hoax-filled group versus uh, a more liberal uh, group, right? It, it's it's user reported, uh, so to the extent that you trust Trump supporters to know what is Trump affirming media and you know, Clinton supporters to share Clinton affirming media, which we generally know due to political psychology research is the case, um, that's about how far you can trust these measures. So they're they're fine. They're they're fine. They're good enough to tell an interesting, fun story here. So essentially what this article does is it takes Trump voters and Clinton voters, or at least supporters, I believe, and it goes ahead and figures out where the stories that these individuals are sharing on social media come from. So they have this giant top 50 list for what sites Clinton supporters shared stories from and the same thing for Trump. So I'll go through the top five for each of them among Trump supporters. The top shared sources of news were, number one, Breitbart Breitbart News, wow, already fumbled right there. Number two, The Hill, three Fox News, four Gateway Pundit, and five Politico. Not bad. However, you go just a bit further and you really start to get a stack of conservative outlets that are tied to pretty extreme conspiracy theories. Sites like Truthfeed, InfoWars, which Alex Jones is known for, Uh, of course, I already mentioned Gateway Pundit, and also Conservative Treehouse. These are all. You know, sites that have been more legitimized by the election of Donald Trump. Uh, You know, he even gave Alex Jones of Infowars an interview during the 2016 presidential campaign. The article also has a top 50 chart for the new sources that were shared by Clinton supporters. Here you tend to get more mainstream media outlets that aren't as you know, uh, rampant about publishing conspiracy theories. You have places like number one, Washington Post, two, Huffington Post, three, New York Times, four, The Hill, and five, CNN. The article goes on to talk about how, you know, we tend to look for sources of information that confirm our priors and our biases, and that the Clinton list does include a few of these. However, you have to get down to number 14, uh, the daily news bin, before you begin getting on the Democrat side uh, some of the conspiracy toting media outlets. One thing we know for sure is that once you know poorly uh, researched news stories make it into someone's social media feed, they're probably going to also then be shared with people who think the same way as that original sharer, which means that bad and misinformation probably um, doesn't have any way of being extinguished once it's through the bloodstream of the American voter, no matter which side of the aisle you fall on. Uh, For more about partisan sharing of information during the 2016 election and beyond, you're listening to Politics Explained. I'm Ian Shapiro.